Boy, I appreciate that song. I was uh, studying yesterday in Romans 8, and uh, it's talking about the creation groaning. And you think what the fall of man did to creation, all of creation's under the curse. But then it talks about the, the spirit groaning. You ever thought about this? You know, people say things like, well, just keep me in your prayers. I was reading something yesterday, and the author said, he said, even lost people know uh, how to say prayers. He said, saying prayers and praying are not the same thing. And a lot of times we do not know how to verbalize spiritually what we need to say, and the Spirit is actually praying on our behalf. So a lot of times we're, we just go to the Lord and we start asking for all these things. And we're not really, as she just sang about, there to spend time with him. It's just to let him know all the things going wrong in our life that we can ask him for. And uh, I tell you, what a great song that was. We just desire to be with him. And uh, I was reading, I was sharing with Brother Foy this evening. Uh, I was reading Romans 9 today. And I want to share this scripture with you, and then we'll go to Proverbs 30. Paul wrote this. He, he said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. He said that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And what he's saying Brother Shane, is that he has such a love for the nation of Israel and for his people that he would be willing to be cast into hell for them to know Christ. I thought, boy, I wonder what would happen if we had that type of burden for people. Because really, Brother Jimmy, all we ever talk about is, well, I'm going to heaven. I can't wait to see Jesus one day. And even salvation, we've made it so much about us. And I realize that it is impossible for us to do that. But Paul had such a great burden that he said, he said I'm willing to eternally be damned for those people to know the, the Jesus I know. And I thought, boy, how... How much am I lacking in my burden for people that, because uh, there's nothing in me that has any desire to spend one second in eternal torment. And I really can't say that I, I understand that. And so it just really hit me today that we're missing really the burden that we should have for people to win them to Christ. Because the reality of it is when the rapture takes place, that's it. There's, there's no, you know, second chance. There's no, oh, well, I, I messed that one up. I, you know, it, it's over. And so it seems like as, as Christians, and we were talking about this, you know, as you study uh, about Israel and understand that, that here's a nation that really had nothing. And God picked them right. 
to make that nation his own and to bless that nation when they didn't deserve it. And then you start seeing in the Old Testament how that because of God's blessing, the nation of Israel uh, really really thought of themselves more highly than they ought to. There was a sense of pride. And even when Jesus confronted them, they said, you don't understand, we're of our father Abraham. And you would think that as they understood the scripture and they, they saw the miracles of Jesus, that they would put two and two together and realize that, that he is the, the Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament. That God had been so good to that nation that they would embrace what he was trying to do. And then I look back and I think, but we do the same thing. I mean, God has, God has taken us as Gentiles who really have, no, really have no right to the inheritance. And he's grafted us in is what the Bible said. And now we as even think about this, as Christians in America, God has even blessed us more. And you still can't get people to serve him. And we have this, this sense of entitlement, you know, as we think about the sovereignty of God, that God doesn't have to explain to any of us not one thing he does. He is always righteous and he's always just in every decision he makes. Yet, when things don't turn out the way we think they ought to, the first thing we do is question God as to why. Almost of an entitlement of, God, I don't understand, I'm trying to serve you. Right, I'm, tr- I'm a Christian in America, probably honestly have had it the easiest of any Christian in history, yet when things don't go the way we think they ought to go, we still look up into heaven and say, we don't, we don't spend time with him like she was saying about. We say, God, why are you letting this happen to me? And then we can't figure out how we got to the place we are in 2023 it's because God continually blessed the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. They kept saying, we don't, we don't want you. And finally, when uh, Jesus came, they looked at him and said, we'll not have this man rule over us. His blood be upon us and our children. And we're doing the same thing. And it burdens me because I see people that Brother Shane really ought to know better. And you would think as they think about how close we are to eternity, they've been taught. And they'd say, you know what, I just need to hold on a little bit longer here. And yet in the last days, there's a falling away that takes place. And so I was just burdened about that today, that, man, we are just, as Christians, we're missing we're missing what God's won't do in these last days because we're so consumed with our world that we're not understanding the plan of God. This is all in the plan of God. None of this has taken him by one second of surprise. And yet we're so consumed with ourselves that we're looking going, God, why are you allowing this to happen? We, we want the rapture, right? But we don't, want, we don't want the suffering that comes before it. We, want, we think, man, you know, I'm saved and, uh, by the grace of God, and so therefore I shouldn't have to face any chastisement. We just want you to come back and take us out of this thing. 
And so I, I just, as I've been studying through Romans, it's just very eye-opening to think that history repeats itself with God's blessing. Now turn over to Proverbs chapter 30 if you would. I didn't mean to drag you down, praise God, but Proverbs 30, beginning verse 1, the Bible said, the words of Agar, the son of Jacob, even the prophecy, the man spake unto Ithiel, even unto Ithiel and you, Cal. Notice what he said, surely I am more brutish than any man and have not the understanding of a man, and I neither learn wisdom nor have the knowledge of the holy who hath ascended up into heaven or descended, who hath gathered the wind in his fist, who hath bound the waters in a garment, who hath established all the ends of the earth, what is his name and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell. And so in chapter 30, we see a little bit of a change in gears all through Proverbs. We know that most of it is written by Solomon to his son, and now we come to chapter 30, and this first portion deals with, with uh, what God wants. In other words, how, how you and I can have an ideal life. Again, we look all through Proverbs, that's, that's the theme, wisdom. If we have wisdom, if we, if we understand the word of God and the principles of God, it didn't say our life would be easy, but it would be good. And so I, I see again across the spectrum of Christianity, I see people that are Honestly, they're suffering needlessly. Now, some have caused it themselves. Some, obviously, God allows suffering in their life. But, but the fact is, if we'd learn, as we just mentioned it, history repeats itself, and God has given us the word of God to show us in the Old Testament how the nation of Israel walked away from him. And even in the New Testament, we see in the Gospels how that the same people, the same heritage, should have known the Messiah's coming, yet they rejected him. And even in the local church, in the epistles, how that uh, Paul's writings in most of it was rebuking the church for walking away from the faith. Then we get to the book of Revelation, we see the seven churches, and most of those have some type of rebuke with it. So now we come to 2023 and we have the completed word of God and all the principles and all the precepts and we look at it and we still hadn't figured it out and God's people are still suffering and God's people are still, uh, seems like they're, they're at a place where they have no victory in life and it all comes down to this, we've got to live the word of God. We can't just be hearers, we have to be doers of the word of God. And so Proverbs 30 deals with the ideal life and no doubt that, that is what we envision. I mean, I don't think anybody here is looking saying, I want the worst life I could ever have. Nobody, you know, as a kid, where we tell our kids you can be anything you want to be and we want you to be successful, whatever that looks like. We want you to be happy. No, no one tells their kid, hey, when you grow up, I want you to be miserable. Yet somewhere in the line, we look at things, and, and I know this, and you do too, we get our eyes off the Lord, and we get it on this world, and because all of our dreams, all of our worldly dreams are not fulfilled, many people are miserable. But the fact is, we have to understand how many of us are willing to apply the wisdom necessary 
to have the ideal life. I mean, the ideal life is when you lay your head down for the final time uh, and, and enter into heaven, uh, the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. If we get that... Nothing else really matters, right? It doesn't matter your legacy. It doesn't matter your bank account. It's whether or not you and I, when we walk in the gates of heaven, we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I believe if we do that, there will be a legacy left behind where people look at you and say they love Jesus, amen? So, so as we look at this, uh, this first portion of Scripture, he deals with personal limitations. And in this first section, uh, that's what he's dealing with. So we all have them. We, we want to focus not on our limitations, we want to focus on our strengths, right? People even among uh, uh, training now say, well, listen, now, you know, it used to be work on your limitations, work on your weakness to make the whole package better. Now it's just focus on your strengths and let somebody else do the weakness. Well, that doesn't work when it's walking with God. See, we have to understand that as, as human beings, as, as men, as descendants of Adam, there are limitations in us. We're not perfect. We're not holy. And it's interesting, isn't it, because we'll look at things, and usually it's about ourselves and we'll say, well, I would say uh, I'm a good person. Why are you a good person? Well, I, I don't murder people. I don't, uh, you know, do drugs. I don't do this. But, but then we, we look at the Scripture, and the Scripture tells us none, none of us are good, yet we don't really want to accept that. We, in the back of our mind, we're going, well, I'm not the best, but I'd not say that I was rotten. But the Bible said that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And that's not talking, we're not going to be graphic, but that's not talking about, you know, the hand towel in the bathroom where you wash your hands and there's a little bit of I'm talking about you look that up and you understand just how filthy God looks at our righteousness. And so we all have limitations, we all have weaknesses, and we just don't really like to observe them. I mean, we don't, we don't, want, to, we don't want to look at the beam in our eye We'd rather focus on the splinter in someone else's eye. It's a whole lot easier to see the fault in someone else than to examine ourselves, right? And so uh, the Bible tells us that, and we, we talked about this uh, Sunday night when we took communion, that if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And so here's what he's saying in this scripture, verses 1 through 4. First of all, he's, he's taking a look at life. And in verse 1 through 3, he says this, Surely I'm more brutish than any man. Now that, that's interesting to me. That, that word brutish, uh, we don't use that. We don't use the word brute very often. But he, what he's saying is he's, he's not as polished. He's not as understanding. And, and it, it has the idea, uh, if you think about it, of someone who is not cultured, who has not been brought up in, in, uh, in any type of knowledge. And so what he's really saying is that uh, I'm the worst, I'm the dumbest, uh, I'm the, the most ignorant, I'm the worst of them all, yet he understood that. And that's what I have to understand about myself. You know, the older I get, the more I realize I don't understand. Well, Jimmy, I remember as a young preacher, pre people would ask me questions, and I'd, I felt like I had a pretty good handle on things, and I could give them scripture, and now, you know, there's so much out there, and people say, well, what about this? And a lot of times I would say, I don't know. By the way, that's very liberating when you can just say, I don't know. And people say, well, you're the preacher. You're supposed to know all that. Well, I don't know if you've ever picked your Bible up, but this is a pretty big book to know it all. And so the prophetic call, what he, here's what he's doing. He's given a prophetic call. Agar was a prophet. 
And what he's doing is he's laying out, he's announcing a solemn burden. He, he's, if you'll notice, the Bible said the man spake unto Ithio, even unto Ithio and Ucal. What he's doing is he's trying to impart wisdom to another generation. And really that's what we're missing today. Everybody's an expert, right? If you talk to someone who's 20 years old, they've got it all figured out. You talk to someone 30 years old, they have it all figured out. Nobody wants any advice anymore. No one wants wisdom. No one wants counsel anymore. It's just, well, I'll I'll watch TikTok and figure it out. But the Bible said the the multitude of counselors, there's, there's safety. God gives us some things to help us in this life. He gives us the word of God. He gives us the spirit of God. He gives us counselors. He's given us a local church. He's given us a pastor. And we shouldn't take those things for granted. I'm telling you, most people, the problems they have is because they get away from the counsel that God has given them. The tools God has given us to live a a successful Christian life, we say we don't want it, we'll do it our own way. And so we end up finding other sources that will, that will really uh, uh, come behind us and confirm what we think instead of letting the Bible tell us what we should do. And so Agur here, he is uh, not only, it's not only prophetic, it's proverbial. In other words, he's saying this is what I've learned and this is what I'm telling you, but he's looking ahead at these two guys and he's saying, listen, this is what your life's going to look like. Doesn't take a genius. I mean, the the fact is, when you see the same pattern in people's lives, you're going to have the same outcome. Brother Jerry, it's amazing to me as I talk to people, everybody thinks they're the exception to the rule. Well, I I don't have to serve God, and I'm going to turn out okay. I don't have to do this. I don't have to be at church and I'm still going to be all right. I don't have to read my Bible and I'm still going to be a strong Christian. I don't have to not gossip, but I'm not a gossip. right? I mean, it, there, I, I can live with bitterness and not have it affect me. Listen to what I'm saying. We all think that we're the exception to the rule and God's saying, listen, you're not the exception and here's the examples of times past to show you proverbially what your life will look like. And so what I'd say is, uh, for you younger people, find somebody older in this church and why don't you get to know them, let them speak counsel into your life instead of your friends that are making the same mistakes you are. So he's telling us wisdom, he doesn't know anything, right? He's not the expert. And if you'll recall, it wasn't too long ago, we were told, listen to the experts, But then we find out they're not really experts. And here's a prophet telling these, I'm not the expert. In other words, everything he's saying he learned, he learned from the revelation of God to him. Well, that's a good place to be, isn't it? The things that I am 100% sure of are the things that I find in the Word of God. Amen. Let God be true, every man a liar. Brother Johnny may tell me something he thinks, and and he may think it's true, or I may tell him that, and and there may be a flaw in it. But if I take my counsel from the Word of God, it will be 100% accurate 100% of the time. You cannot find find statistics like that. You cannot find assurances like that anywhere else that 100% of the time, if you do it this way, it will happen. But if you do it God's way, 100% of the time it will work out like he says it will. So what we have to do, if you want the ideal life, friend, you've got to find some people that have wisdom. 
you got to find some people that know more than you do. You never want to be the smartest person in the room. Well, here's the problem, Brother Bart. Here's the problem we have with that. In order for you not to be the smartest person in the room, you have to humble yourself. And that is directly against our flesh nature. Our flesh nature always wants to be right. As we said, the, the, uh, the Jews had looked at Jesus and uh, the prophets had prophesied about him. God had promised him. And now Jesus comes and in pride they say, well, you don't understand. We're of the seed of Abraham. And then uh, Jesus, here he is. And they said, we'll not have this man rule over us. And even today they still want, will not accept Jesus as the Messiah. But you know what's amazing? As much as God has blessed America and as much as God has blessed the church and as much as God has blessed each individual and Christians you know what we're still saying we don't want you we want to pray when we need something we want to talk to him when he can do something for us and that's it and so we have to understand that when I look at life there are people that have come before me and if I'll just follow the example of the ones that succeeded. Listen, you, there are people you know and people I know that have gone on to be with the Lord. And when you look at their life, you say, man, that guy loved God. That, that lady loved the Lord. Their life was something to, that, that I should model my life after. And then there are people that have gone on and you see the, the turmoil and the destruction. And it's funny to me how many people will, tra- will take the turmoil and destruction. It's interesting to me, growing up, you know, it, let, me, let me show you how the world works. Everything God says, the world says the opposite, right? Young lady, let me, let me help you with something. So, so the Bible teaches us that we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So when you're looking for a man to marry, by the way, you should be trying to find someone that resembles and models the Lord Jesus. Right? You know what the world teaches? You ought to find a bad boy. They're more fun. Am I right? Contrary to the word of God. Young men, can I help you with something? You know what the Bible tells you? You ought to, you ought to find a, a young lady. Someone that models the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the world will tell you? Oh, find the hottest girl you can. Who cares? Who cares if she loves God? Find the trashiest girl you can. And here's the thing, late young ladies. Some of you, if you're not careful, you'll buy into that. Here's the thing, young men. Some of you will buy into that. I can't love God and get the right kind of girl. I've got to be this kind of guy. I can't be the right kind of girl and get this guy. I've got to be this kind of girl. You're listening to the world. And what you're going to find is heartache. Every time. Moms and dads. And here's the thing. You know what it does? It produces a pattern. Usually when they choose wrong the first time, guess what happens the second time? They'll choose wrong again. Start off right. You say, well, I can, I can show you people that didn't start out right. Well, I can show you a thousand to one that are statistics. Because they would not understand that God has given us some people in our lives. He's given us the Bible, the Holy Spirit. He's given us uh, uh, godly saints to say, here's how you ought to live your life. He's given us pastors. Here's how you ought to live. Well, you're not perfect. Hey, I'll be the first to tell you. 
But you won't stand before God and say, well, you know what? My mom and dad weren't perfect. So therefore, I, I left the faith or I, I didn't get saved. And because You can do that if you want to, but it will hold no water. So if you want the ideal life, what you've got to do is stay in the word of God and, and believe that what God's telling us will, will be successful in our life. So it gives us, first of all, that prophetic call, but then it goes on to tell, give a plain confession. Here's the thing. We don't like to admit we're wrong, right? And then if we do, we give something like this. Well, I know I was wrong, but so were you, right? I know I did this, but it was only in reaction to what you did to me. If I offended you, I'm sorry. If you got your feeling, if you took it wrong, I mean, when you tell somebody, I can't stand you, that's, you can't take it but one way, right? So in verse 2, he says, surely I'm more brutish than any, any man. Now that's a big statement. He didn't say more brutish than some men. He didn't say more brutish than some men I know. He said any man. In other words, what he was saying is I am the lowest. Hello? See, you're, you're never going to get... You're never going to get to the place, neither will I, where you have the ideal life serving God until you realize you're the lowest. So he says, surely I'm more brutish than any man and have not the understanding of a man. So his humility, his plain confession is his humility and unworthiness. See, that's why we can't have revival. Because God's people think he owes us something. Even when we pray, you know what we pray? God, send revival. We need revival. God, give us revival. I've I, I got to have revival. I gotta, you don't see that we're, we're praying wrong. Revival comes when we need him. Revival comes when we seek him. Revival comes when we desire him. What we want, let's be honest, most people when they say they want revival, they don't want God to show up in, in holiness and righteousness. They want God to come and give them a feeling so they can walk out and say, boy, I feel so much better. Amen. So, so here, is, here is this man of God that's coming and he's given his confession that he is humiliated and he's unworthy and a wise man will view himself in this way. See, when you start thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to, God can't do anything for you. He won't do anything for you. Because what you're doing is you're saying, God, I want you to do this for me, but I'm not that bad so you and I can share the glory. The reason he chose the nation of Israel is because they had nothing to offer him and he'd get all the glory out of it. The reason he chooses the church is because we really don't have anything to give him. It's all about him. And the reason he can take the vilest sinner and do something miraculous with him is because you don't have to convince a man on death row uh, that, that he's unworthy. He knows it. it it's the religious crowd that we have a problem with and you cannot get help from God until you'll admit that you're like this guy that you're unworthy and you are you are the lowest of the low wonder what happened if God's people just get on their face and say God I don't deserve anything 
I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve the life you gave me. I don't deserve health. I don't deserve anything that you've given me. And I'm just thankful for it all. So here he is. We must confess our limitations. We don't want to admit that, do we? Paul said this. Here, here's, here's a man who when you look at his credentials, they were all A+. He was the elite. In the church, he was up there. Education, he was up there. In society, he was up there. Yet, when, when God showed up to him and showed him who he really was, he called himself the chiefest of sinners. See, until we get to that place, and what we do, Brother Jerry, we, we, we equate the ideal life of having riches, health, no problems, and kind of serving God. And when you look historically at those that really had the ideal life for Christ, most of those things were not present. And so the only wisdom he had was not his merit, not, his, not even his study, but the revelation of God. And think about this, how many times we'll say, well, just read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. The Bible said we're to study to show ourselves approved. So it's more than just reading words. It is searching the scriptures so that we can know him. And as we search the scriptures and we know him, then he reveals more of himself to us through the scripture. And that's where we get the wisdom. So in verse 1 through 3, he's telling us to look at life. And then number 2, verse 4, he says this. He said, who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fist? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? And what is his name and what is his son's name if thou canst tell? So he, he first of all is looking at his life. He, he's, he's framing who he is, right? He's seeing himself as he really is. And then he takes a 180 degree turn. And he starts talking about this. He, he takes a look at the Lord. See, a lot of people get the place where they look at their life and that's all they look at. And so they're looking at, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I don't have this, and I'm suffering. And but they, they never, it's all, even in all of that, brother, it's, it's about them. Right? Even in, in all, when they look at themselves and all the, the stuff they're going through. Wonder, Brad, wonder what happened. How many times we... People say, listen, I need you to pray for so-and-so because they're really going through a rough time. What do you want me to pray about? That, that, God will, that God will help them and they'll get out of it. Well, how do you know God wants them out of it? Right? I mean, maybe God's got them there trying to teach them something. Right? Or somebody's sick. Pray God will heal them. How do you know God wants to heal them? Or, or pray, pray so-and-so lost their job. Pray, pray they get another job. Well, how do you know God wants to put them? You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we, we start praying for the wrong thing because we don't understand 
what God's trying to do. What we ought to do is pray, God, your will be done. Right? That's hard. Listen, I ain't saying it's easy. But sometimes, Brother Eddie, we pray like we've got God by the, by the, the scruff of the neck saying, listen now, God, now, you know, I, I can quote some scripture to you. Right? I can quote some scripture where you, where you obligated yourself to answer my prayer. Well, you better take all that in context. Because you ain't going to live like the devil and pray. And brother, here's the thing. When we get like that, most time we're praying in our will, not his. God will answer according to his will. So we're praying not, Miss Wilma, we're praying not to get God on our side. We're praying to get the mind of God. And so he's saying, listen, he's telling he says, look at me. And they probably looked at him, they probably thought, man, this is a, this is a man of God. This somebody loves the Lord. This, some, this is one of the heroes of the faith. Probably he's a hero of the faith because he saw himself as lowly, but he saw Christ as lifted. See, most time we flip that, don't we? We see him as lowly, we see us as lifted. God, you got to do this now because I'm one of your children. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, about this. Not story I heard, most of you know Shaquille O'Neal, basketball player, about 7 foot 12 inch tall, 9,000 pounds. He's, he's a mammoth and did well playing basketball and all this. So one of his kids said uh, something about, Dad, we're rich. He said, no, we're not rich. I am. We're, we're not. I am, right? You, you didn't earn none of this. Sometimes we get that mindset with God, don't we? Like, now listen, I'm your child, and, and, and I understand, I do, listen, I understand that because we are in Christ, we're heirs. But sometimes we take that to the extreme. We forget that part of the, part of the, the, the role of Christ was he suffered. And so here's a man, he says, not only look at life and look at me, but he said, you got to look at your life for who you really are but it should make you more appreciative looking at the Lord. And he describes him in verse 4. He first of all describes his power. He said, who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Well, you, you can't, man can't do that. I mean, the fact is, even the fact we're going to heaven is because of the power of God. The same power that, that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power we got in us. He's the, he's the one who has the power to change lives. He had the power, my friend, to, the, to, uh, to rise from the grave. He's the one who has the power to save. He's the one who has the power to do all these things. And so he recognizes not only his limit, but he also recognizes the limitless power of God. Now you and I, we, listen, we, we attribute too much power to man. I mean, I mean, if we're just, if we're honest, again, there's a lot of Christians that are looking toward the election going, if this happens, we're going to be all right. If this happens, we won't. Well, you do realize that God used Nebuchadnezzar. Right? I mean, he used King David. He used King Saul, right? Because 
before King Saul, you remember that God had set the, the judges up to rule over the people. And then they said, we don't want that anymore. We want a king. We want a king. We want to be just like all the other nations. I said, all right. Here's what it's going to cost. Well, that's all right. We'll take it. Right? So they got Saul. Then God blessed him with David. Then you see him going into captivity. He used wicked rulers. And even in the, even in the lineage or in the line of the kings of, of Israel, all of them didn't love God. Some of them were wicked. Right? And then you go to the New Testament and they're under Roman rule. God sends the Messiah and they're going, well, we're just... We're waiting for a guy that's going to rescue us out of this situation. Is that not how we do? See, we don't understand the plan of God. We, we think that God's only responsibility is to rescue us out of the mess that we're in now. And the bigger plan is God's, if you're saved, God's going to take you completely out of the mess and take you to heaven. And so we're only limited by our belief. We, we, we so confine God. That's why our theme. Let's find out. I'm tired of I'm tired of being the independent Baptist that's always making excuses about God. Well, you know, we're living in the last days. Who cares? You tell me God lost his power in the last days? What limits what God can do in our life is what we really believe. Right? Our faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please you can't well go knock on all these doors go ahead help yourself but if you don't have faith you're not pleasing God pray all you want to but for, if all you're doing is I, I, I said my prayers tonight no if you're not believing God you're not pleasing God and so here he's telling he's telling the Bible tells here that we're to not only see ourselves for who we are but we got to see God for who he is and he deals with his power but then also in verse 4, it deals with his person. It says, Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? What is his son's name? If thou can tell. He, he's, he's the Lord. And sometimes I think we have this mindset of dual lordship. I don't want to... Lord, I don't want you to be the Lord over my life. Now, I want you to take me to heaven, but I want to control my life. I want to do it the way I want to do it. And then you see the examples of how that turns out. We'll say, it won't happen to me. Right? It won't happen to me that way. If I'm wrong, tell me. Just about every teenager thinks they're invincible. Right? I mean, they got their license for about 18 seconds, and all of a sudden they're a NASCAR driver. Kids hitting trees head on, won't happen to me. I'm a good driver. Right? And in North Carolina, it's even worse because if we get, you know, everybody's got four wheel drive truck. So it snows and it's, you know, everybody's like, I gotta, man, I got to take my truck out in this snow and use my four-wheel drive. And as soon as it starts snowing, people just drive off in the ditch. There ain't have to be snow on the road. But we, we have this mindset, right? Do you, think, do you think people 
that get in a, in a drunk driving accident, you think when they start drinking and get behind the wheel, they're going, I'm probably going to wreck tonight. No, they, they know the statistics, right? I'll give you an example. Ride down the road. How many people do you see driving? I mean, they, they, don't, they don't even do like this now. Now they got the phone up on the steering wheel doing like that. And you see all the statistics of people texting and having wrecks. But why do people do it? It won't happen to me. I'm a good driver and texter. And we're no different in America. We look at all across the world, see all this. But we're America. Proud to be an American. Right? Same thing with Christians. Oh, I see the way it is. But we're, we're, we're a church in America. It won't happen to us like it does in these other countries. We're, we're, right? We're independent fundamental Baptists. All these other denominations that don't believe the Bible like we do. But not us. Right? Oh, I, I, see, all, I see all those preachers getting in trouble for running around on their wife. That won't happen to me because I love Jesus my wife too much. Right? Am I right? Won't happen to us because we elevate ourselves. We have to understand. We've got to understand his power. His person. He owes us nothing. Nothing. Not one thing does God owe us. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. Might be a good time to really evaluate ourselves and say, God, thank you because I deserve nothing but hell. I deserve nothing but hell. And that's how you have the ideal life. John 3.30. He's got to increase. I got to decrease. He's worthy. I'm not. I'm not. Let's come around the altar and pray tonight. Again, if you can't come around the altar and you need to pray at your seat, you do that, and then after you're done praying, you're free to go. And I'm thankful. Appreciate y'all doing that.